KFNX News Talk Radio 1100, it's Chatterbox, where you'll find the latest news, interviews, and updates about the gaming world. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, the guests, and callers only, and not necessarily those of KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And now, here's your host for Chatterbox. All right, well, we're here for another week, Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. Uh, introduce ourselves. We haven't done that in a while. I'm Alon. I'm Ara. Yeah, we got no one else in the studio today. It's just just me and you. Mano a mano. That's, that's, uh, that's accurate. So um, last week, we ran out of time, I think. We had a couple different things we wanted to talk about. It happens and every time, every ironically single time. enough. We always run out of time. Is a result of you having a stack of things to discuss. Um, I tried to find stuff to talk about this week that's that's relevant, interesting, gaming news, and like... There's, it's not that there isn't any news happening. There's just nothing that's interesting to discuss. So like, the big thing all over the websites today is the pop cap was bought by EA. Oh yeah. It's like, do you want to talk about that? Um, so they bought pop cap. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well done with that. All right. That was fun. Um, you know, and so I'm I'm just a little bit, I'm confused. I guess this is the time of year though when nothing happens. This, this happens every year. Supposedly. Where we struggle. And then we get emails asking us to talk about things. So well, then we, we tend to do that. It's it's interesting because we normally, well, I don't know if I want to say we, but at least I normally, like, I have a series of news outlets that I review before every week's show as potential source of news topics, right? And, yes, it is uh, weeks like these where I'm led to wonder... Um, why are why are there so much volume on these blogs if they're not how? saying yes and how because there's the it's not like they ever stop right but it's just the stories just become like increasingly irrelevant and just meaningless yeah i'm i'm wondering sometimes but but you know, I, I did read that the ps3 is going to need an hdmi cable from now on oh yeah i don't know if you read that yeah totally did but before we get to those things... That's as much as I need to say on it. <laughs> no, there's there's actually have some details on that. Okay. But um, there's I did play a couple game demos this weekend. And you like that strategic pause? Yes. That was... This is why we're I never told you about here. playing Catherine at, at E3, did I? No. Well, we can totally talk about that, too. But let me tell you, I played um, the demo of this game called El Shaddai. I've heard a lot about that, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah, so... Um, you know, it feel it felt a little bit uh, a little bit of the pretentious, but it had actually a really interesting system of gameplay where you're you get weapons by stealing the enemy's weapons, right? In fact, your weapons. So is it some sort of action fighter? Like I have no idea what this game is. Yeah, I had no idea either. And and ostensibly, at least in the beginning, I thought it was like RPG. Um, at least in the demo, it's basically like a third person action game with really, um, let's say, bizarro graphics. Okay. Right. And um, apparently some people have, I don't know, There's it's got double jumping. I don't know, man. What's wrong with double jumping? I don't know. So, some people, there's there's just, since when did double jump become the regular jump? That's um, what I want to know. I think Nintendo did that. Yeah. You can think of Metroid for that. Are right? you sure about that? No. Was it Metroid? No. I'm pretty sure it was. Well, just because they had it implemented once in one of their games, somehow, like, I don't know. I don't want to get into that too much. But it was an interesting system. It actually reminded me. 
there's an old Genesis game of a completely different format that had the exact t- same type of system. You know what it's called? An old Sega Genesis game? That's right. No, I'm, I, no one will know, so I'll just say it. Uh, it was a shooter. It was a side-scrolling shooter called Gaia Res. I thought you were going to throw it like Herzog's Vi or something. No, no. Or as oh. some people say, Gaia Res. Okay. Um, it was just one of those games where, like, when you were a kid, like, everybody pronounced it a different way, and everybody fought about how to pronounce it, and nobody really knew. We're not talking about Gyrus, Irie? Not Gyrus. That's Konami. Okay, this was, game. this was, yeah, this was a, um, it was published by, like, Renovation. Spell this for me. Gaia, like the Mother Earth. G-A-I-A. Yeah. Res. Okay. R-E-S. Gotcha. So, it was actually absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. game for its time. Bone crushing difficulty. Is this this was like it didn't have like a difficulty ramp. It had like a wall in the beginning and then it was the same wall the rest of the way through. It never got like harder or easier. It was just really hard the whole the way. Okay. Anyway, the really cool and thing And it was a shooter. And it was a shooter and the really it allows cool, you to pick up the weapons of the people you destroy. New. No. You said it's exactly the same as this new game. It allows you to pick up the weapons of the people who you battle. You don't have to kill them first. Okay. Right. So you like you like shoot out this thing and it'll like grab onto an enemy and then it'll come back to you. When it comes back to you, you've you've assumed the weapon of that enemy. And so there's like no power ups in this game at all. It was really cool. It's just you just get the weapon from the enemies around you. If you're skilled enough to, like, was there some challenge in acquiring those weapons? Well, yeah. I mean, some some enemies don't appear far on the screen for as long. Some move faster or more unpredictable ways. But it's not like when you battle him, you're just given this weapon. No, I mean it. It has some. You have to go through some modicum of effort to actually capture the weapons. Okay. And you can only hold one at a time, so it'll replace the one you currently have. Kind of like Kirby. So kind of like that, right? So so this El Shaddai game, structurally very very similar. You have this special move that you do. That once you do this move, when you're engaged in an enemy, then you you steal their weapon from them, basically. But it's not a shooter. Nope. Third person looks like some kind of action platform fighting. Hack and slash. Hack and slash, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I wasn't. It didn't keep my interest long enough for me even to get through the demo. But that one little piece of it I thought was a little interesting. Just because it reminded you of an old old yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. It was, it was, well, it's funny, right? Because it's like, oh, this is kind of cool, but like, it just totally did not retain my interest. Um, probably just because. The, the manner of combat, besides the fact that you can hold weapons, was just completely unthrilling to me. The Just the combat system? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, you can't win them all. I don't know why I'm seeing so much about this game, then, in the yeah. news. Which is weird, though. I, I say that I don't know anything about it, yet I, re, I right. see it so much. Well, it's, it's very, That's the sign of a bad game, in my opinion, or bad marketing, I guess. Um, I mean, who knows? I don't know if it's actually good or not, or if it will be. Um, I mean, the art style is interesting. It's very bizarre, um, on purpose, of course. They warn you that the game is about religion or something like that when you start. Um, I think that's what I've been seeing, that they're, they're talking about how it's got these religious overtones, but that right. it's not like the, the typical religious game... Like, that just tries to get you to read the Bible and stuff? Um, probably not. Yeah. Anyway, that's one thing. The other game that I played a demo of this weekend was... Did you even know about this? Sonic Generations? Yeah, dude. Is that at E3? Is that E3? Yeah. You played at E3? 
I didn't play it. I watched people play it. This? So, oh, okay, 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 okay. I got to I got to There's only one thing I got to see. I was going to tell you what I thought just by looking at it. Okay, well, tell me. Uh, so it looks like just the original Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. but with fancy graphics. Right. And that, to me, said, oh, that's what people have been wanting for years. Way to go. Finally finally made that game. Right. I've, I've heard different things. Right. Okay. So, um... It just this makes no sense to me because they did that like Sonic Four remake, and then there's this one, and they're actually very similar in ways, and um, they're complete failures in other ways. The thing that the Sonic Four remake you're talking about the fan one. No, there was an official Sonic Four that came out in XBLA that had high res graphics that was very similar to this, except it was like in 2D, and then now this is like um, I don't know the graphics are even louder i guess than the than the first sonic 4 but then then there's also that fan remake which is also totally different but the same okay right and so i i don't understand why sega keeps remaking these sonics because every single time they do it it's worse than the first sonic game (laughs) it truly is but nostalgia makes games gives it at least three extra points when right, you so press okay. Sonic wasn't actually that good a game if you go back and play it now. Right, but this is even worse. Like this is this is like categorically by all standards measurably worse except for maybe in the graphics department. When you're running around in this game, right? I have never felt so unresponsive a jump button since the first time I played Prince of Persia, okay? <laughs> That is unresponsive. It makes no sense to me. Like, I literally had to make sure that it wasn't detecting my jump action upon letting go of the button because the delay was so long. Wow. Like, you press the button, and then it's like, press, jump, press. Like, really? This is this is how, like, what's going on here? What kind of processing is happening in between my input for it to take like a quarter second for it to actually jump. That's really interesting because I mean the the first Sonic was not like that at all. No, of course not. The first Sonic, honestly, sometimes I felt a little bit of delay when mm. when doing stuff, but I think really? that might have been because the arc of his jump or or the way that he sort of floated yeah, in the air. Yeah. I don't know if it was when he left the ground. Yeah. Um. But what you're describing now makes it a horrible, horrible game, especially a game that is is driven by you know its speed. Right. It's a it's attraction is right. the fact that it goes real fast and twitchy. Well, the the other like ironic thing about it is that when you're going at speed, it seems even faster than any of the other Sonic games ever went. So it's so fast that you can hardly like those fast speed sequences. They you never had to actually like respond to anything that happens. There's like yeah. little, little roller coaster rides. But now it's like they're happening so fast. It's like it's so fast it's hard to even appreciate what's happening so you can enjoy it. So I talked to Rich about this. I don't know if our listeners will remember Rich, but he was here a long time ago on the show. And I talked to him this weekend about this very game. Really? And he said that it's too blurry. Like they... Yes, you know what? For once, he is correct. Also, the scrolling is hopelessly blurry. So I imagine that they did that on purpose. They injected blurriness into no, it. That the, no, no human could ever reasonably do that on purpose and think that they've created something worthwhile. But the... But why would it be blurry? We've got we've got higher res. We've yeah. got you know higher you know frames think it per is? second right. these days. How well, could well, it be blurry no, compared to old school? We don't actually. We don't. That's that's one of the ironies also. What? There are so many games that run with crappy frame rates you don't even know. 
And before this game can't run slowly. Yeah, there's no reason that it would run slowly. Here's here's what here's what I think is happening in this case, and it's very similar to like for example the um uh like Codemaster's driving engine for games like Dirt Three. Yeah, you've told me about this. It's, where it, it's very, it makes it blurry. Yes, it's very blurry when you're doing things like turning, and what it is is it's it's because it's a side effect of there there are so many effects and so many um, let's just say like passes of the engine to draw something that it actually it I mean it's twofold. That's like what it's it's actually it actually can't draw the same frame when it's scrolling past you as nicely as, you know, even like almost every single old game could, right? But another artifact of it is the fact that like we're using crappy L C D TVs by and large. And by crappy I mean L C D TVs. And the one of the side effects of scrolling things on those types of TVs is that it tends to smear. And so that combined with the rendering methods put together means very, very bad, very ugly looking scrolling. Looks beautiful standing still. That's yeah. what we have to deal with today. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's TVs like, are it's getting like better. Austin Powers. I don't understand the reference at all. Or one. I'll tell you later. You've totally lost me. But we're going to break. We'll be right back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored by the fabulous University of Advancing Technology, whose website can be found at uat.edu. Go check it out. Um, what was the one thing that we skipped over? When? Like last segment. Last segment? Yeah. The one where like, we should totally talk about that, but then let's talk about this first, and then skip uh, over it. The HDMI cable? Yes, let's talk about that now. New machines, they're changing the whole thing. So right. you have to know, do you have an old machine, do you have a new machine? So this, I'm not, it's actually, this is a little mystical to me, but what they're doing is with the new machines, they're going to say, oh, remember that component cable that you used to use, right? From the regular multi-AV out at the component? Yeah, for your PlayStation 2, for your PlayStation 3. Right. Now they're they're gonna they're like, okay, um, we're just gonna decide that that output will no longer output an HD signal, even though it totally was capable of and had been doing so for the past many years. Yes. Now there are some theories as to why this is happening, and I have a theory as well. Um, copy protection. Whatever. Basic. Well, something along those lines. Now, are are you aware of the unique um, bureaucracies of the HDMI cable format? I know that HDMI is all digital, and they can, you know, decide how things are going to work a little bit better than uh, than the analog component signal. So, like on HDMI, if you're playing a DVD and it's going into a device that doesn't accept the HDMI, or like HDMI is two way, yes. right? So it can communicate with it's the machine and say. Right. Hey, I'm not a television. I'm a VCR, or rather, it doesn't get the signal that says I'm a television, so it can make the video get all weird. So right. If you try it, to record it, it looks funky. It can do a handshake. 
it can it yeah, can communicate go. in two directions. Handshake. Right. This is kind of like I don't know. You buy a car, and it comes with somebody who's permanently velcroed to your car, and he won't let you do certain things. Yeah. Right. So I, I think this is kind of insidious because what this permits them to do is stop your output from working if you have connected your devices in a certain way. They can do this now. Yes. This, yeah. this, this is not cool. I mean, they've been able to do this for a long time. And nobody, most people use an HDMI these days anyway. So it's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect most people we know. But, but it's just interesting that they keep, like Sony from the very beginning, before the machine was even released, they took out features. Because they, when they announced it, they're like, it's going to have multiple outputs for TVs. It's going to have like three right. different Ethernet right. checks. You could be running the computer. But those like, were ostensibly for savings, right? Like, okay, like we don't have to make this component anymore. But, but my we point can save is, little money. they make a promise. They say it's going to do X, and they take X away. Well, yes. They, they give they you lowercase X. Yeah. Um, you know, it. I was excited because it's like you'd be able to use this to browse the web on one one TV, and right. someone else using the same machine can play games. Great! It's got seven processors; it could do everything. Um, <clears throat> never happened. And then, as time went by, even after it was released, they started taking out features. You know those memory card ports that you had on your first ones? Yep. Nope, don't have those anymore. Uh, what about USB ports? We used to have a bunch of them. Now you only have a couple, right? Doesn't affect me personally. I don't need five ports. But the point is, why put them there in the first place if they weren't important? They also promised multiple monitor output simultaneously. That's what I was saying, yeah. You could, one person could browse the web, one person could play. Oh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Or you could have two players, you know, each having a television right. with only one machine, Not which anymore. would be huge. I was, yeah. I, it's, it's more, anyway, more broken promises. Beyond that, I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, what about the uh, the thing that, that Geohot was so upset about was uh, Linux. They, right. they allowed you to run Linux off the hard drive of the PS3, yeah. and then one day they just took it away. And that, that was not even, like, they didn't let you choose there. If you want to play games these days, you've got to have the updated firmware and whatever. Um, if you have the updated firmware, it takes away the option for Linux. Too bad. Like, if you want, as, it, this happened right before the move came out. Right. So if you wanted to use the move, you had to have the updated firmware. Otherwise, your games wouldn't run. Sorry. And that means you don't get to run Linux, which is, you know, one of the reasons that people bought the system. Because it was able to do that thing, and they just took it away. With no reason. Didn't need to. So that was annoying. So Sony has this habit of just removing stuff. And uh, I think there was a class action lawsuit at some point, but I don't know where it went uh, regarding removal of the Linux, Linux yeah. support. I don't know where that one either. Yeah. Like that one That one was horrible because it changed after you had it. And yeah. if you wanted to continue having functionality A of the system, you need to give up functionality B. The other one's like, okay, they gave up the ports and stuff, but right. that's fine. They did that before I bought it. Yeah. I knew what I was getting when I bought the machine. Yeah. Uh, at least that's the expectation. All right, so, well, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, exactly. But it, you're talking about TVs and LCD TV, and we're, and we're talking about HDMI cables. Uh, it makes me think of a, a bit of hardware news that we never discussed. No one has... I've not seen anybody talk about this What's since this? E3. You probably don't even know about it because nobody's talked about a, it. A screen format that doesn't suck? No? No. No? Okay, no. what is it? Uh, but it's an, an interesting advancement in, in television technology, which I'm sure, because it's from Sony, yeah. will not actually happen. So let me tell you what they announced at E3 that I haven't heard anyone talk about. <clears throat> they want to get, you know how 3D gaming, everyone's trying to make 3D yeah. movies and 3D gaming at home, like the, the new standard. And it's not taking off with the, the speed and acceptance that everyone's hoping it would. So Sony wants to 
put together a an affordable television for the masses um, so that they'll have you know everyone will have high definition they'll have high quality they'll have 3d and so they're putting out for five hundred dollars this I think 24 inch LCD TV with a really good refresh rate uh-huh. um, and it's you know supposedly made by Sony and Sony makes TVs so that makes sense um, and it's 3D and comes with, I think, two headsets, but maybe only one one pair of glasses. Um, so it's a 3D TV. So yeah, it's an affordable 3D TV. But I didn't I didn't give you the gimmick I yet. See. Is it feel around? I, no, didn't tell you. Here it is. Here it is. So you know how 3D uh, 3D videos and games and whatever are showing you two different images simultaneously or technically alternating from one frame to the next but it's it's basically yeah. simultaneously showing two different images right. which are then filtered out through the glasses so that right. like one image goes to the left eye one image goes to the right eye right. and it looks 3d right okay so they've built this tv to supposedly and this is the feature that i'm sure will be removed by the time it gets released uh or or i'll bet you actually that they announce it they say it will do this with a firmware update and then they never update the firmware, or they update the firmware a year and a half later after everyone stopped using that television. That's my my prediction. So here it is. Uh, you'll be able to play two-player on this. Oh, I know where you're going. Uh, watching two different screens simultaneously. Because one of the because both you wear glasses and it's going to get a different screen projected yep, on you. Different screen to different glasses. Player one glasses, player two glasses. Um, so no more split screen action. Oh, if this game will support this feature, if you're okay. using a TV that can do it, See, here, then here's uh, the problem. it's two player, each yeah. get full screen. Here's the problem that I have with that. Like totally cool at face value, game has to be programmed specifically to use it. Yeah, but any game that's 3D capable should be able to do this, right? Instead of split screen, you can just do this. And in terms of processing, I imagine it's the same thing. Sort of. Yeah, but like... What, half, half the frames. What, what games are going to be able to use this? None of them that are out now. Nope. None of them that are out now, and also only games that are like first-party Sony games. Probably. But anyway, uh, I tried it out. They had the technology they are running, but it was all prototype. It's not real yet. Yeah. At least not, not commercial. Here's the other problem, and right? And it worked pretty well. Yeah, you're getting half a resolution of a screen, though. How do you You're feel about that? You're getting half the frame rate, not half the resolution. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah. Okay, so okay, so even worse, in my opinion. Well, that's all. All 3D gaming is that way. Right, but at least you're getting the other half so you can get the 3D effect. Now, this time, you're not even getting the other half. You're getting yeah, half of that. That's the downside. You're not getting a 3D effect anymore, but you're getting your own screen. But you need the 3D TV to do that. Is This is this is just too strange for me. Like This was like the feature that nobody really asked for. Well, what's for. funny is you, you were just talking about the PS3 you know, originally was designed to have two different video outputs. Yeah. Well, this is kind of accomplishing that. Yeah, I suppose. Not... The the problem is that 3D glasses don't properly remove an entire frame right. from from the viewer, and I imagine this has to do with varying biology of of you know brain refresh rates and all okay. that stuff. Actually, I have no idea what you're talking about, but go ahead. Okay, so a human doesn't see fluidly; they see in frame rate, just like a television produces frames. Right? We see frames. Don't give me don't give me this. I'm I'm pretty sure this is how it works. So there our, are there are quanta, but they are anyway. Our brain interprets things in frames, right? But a higher frame rate than television usually produces. But now that we're getting into, like, 240 hertz and all that, yeah. maybe not. I don't know what the number is. Yeah, it's, But you can tell the difference between frame rates, but you have to make increasingly large jumps to notice. Yeah. 
You can tell the difference between 120 and 240. Yeah, well, we've, we've done that at your place, yeah. Anyway, I think the, the problem is that when you try to split up the frames, you say you get the left frame, you get the right frame, it, you still see a little bit of ghosting from the other one, probably because it's not, you know, doing whatever it's supposed to with the glasses. Although that's only LCD shutter glasses. I don't even know how the current technology works. I should know. Anyway, we're going to break. We'll be right back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Woohoo! All right, here we are. The, the middle of the program. If anybody wants to call, feel free, 866-536-1100 if you're listening live. Also, feel free to email us during the week. Uh, you go to the website, chatterboxgameshow.com. We've got our email addresses up there. You can send us the stuff. Uh, people do that from time to time. Your friend sent you one. And uh, new superfan Kenny, I just want to say hi to him. Thanks for you know, finding the show and, and emailing us. That was very nice. Confused why you think I'm from Nebraska, but other than that... Um, you know, very nice oh, wait. email. Was this was this the person who accused me of being a serial killer? I think perhaps the same guy. So, <laughs> I was so disappointed <laughs> because I was going to reply to both of you, and I was just going to type, wait until Tuesday. <laughs> but I totally forgot to do that. Oh, did you? But I want to clear something up here now. Okay, Kenny and Alon and everybody out there listening, I'm not a serial killer. I'm a psychopath. Very big difference. <laughs> That is um, very let's, different. Let's not confuse those. One is the other, but the other is not the first. Uh, yeah. A serial killers will often be a, a psychopath. Perhaps, but not all psychopaths are serial killers. That's true. Just unfeeling little twerps. They, they may be um, serial um, TV destroyers <laughs> and serial... Speaking of Sony getting, products. ...getting caught for <laughs> speeding and serial getting... You're okay. I'm not even. You do that. do those things often. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> Maybe not the TV breaking. But. I, I I may as well just say what happened since no one will understand. I have this old TV, one of the greatest <clears throat> televisions ever built. Had. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Technically, I still have it. It's just been transmogrified. Okay. And this this TV, this is one of the beautiful <laughs> constructions of Sony Corporation. This is the only. It's a 32-inch tube. It's an XBR tube, and it is one of, the, actually, the only TV I'm aware of in existence that had all of its tuner and connection components in a separate module, apart from the TV itself. Yep, that is amazing. I don't know why that makes it good, but it's it just, definitely did that. It's just one of the extra things. So it's you still a, have the tuner box, though. Yeah. So you could totally sell that. I no because you can't use it with anything other than this TV. No, but people will have you know have broken tuners for that tube. It's possible. This this you know, uh, so this, you could make the perfect pair. Yes, there may be a um a visit to the uh, I don't know somewhere in the near future. But Some anyway, special Sony forums somewhere. Yeah. Um. But anyway, this TV, this TV that I love and cherish and hold dear to my heart, loved, and <laughs> cherished. <laughs> I had it a quarter of my house. And I wanted to move it into my bedroom, and I'd forgotten that the last time I had moved it, I, I, 
I, st- I told myself, wow, this thing feels as though it could just come apart at any second. And I just put it on the floor, and it had been there for like a year. And then now I try to move it, and as I lifted it up, this is about a 120-pound thing, okay? Which, you know... Nothing for you. It's not a problem to lift. I mean, it has its own handles, you know, I mean... It's not like I was lifting it over my head. I just lifted it up a few feet, right? And as soon as I lifted it up, as soon as it got about a foot and a half off the ground, the weight of itself just completely broke through the plastic enclosure and just smashed into thousands and thousands of microscopic plastic pieces everywhere. So now you've got Sony dust. It was like... It's like it's like something exploded and made more pieces than I could ever have imagined could have well, been a tube created. Is, is under a vacuum, so it probably yeah. would have. Well, have no, no, actually... no, the tube is not shattered. It was just the plastic around it. Whoa! whoa, whoa. So the TV works? No, I'm not going to try it now. I mean, just ost- plastic housing. Who cares? Ostensibly, the features are have not been broken. Oh, I thought the whole thing was destroyed and useless. You could put that sucker into an arcade box and make it... You you might be able to. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that's a project in the future. But, um, yeah, that was my terrible weekend. Okay. Part of it. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not no. here to talk about my problems or your problems. No, no. We're here to talk about my friend Eric's problems. Your friend Eric, who has a child. He has a, he has a three-and-a-half-year-old child. I have a friend, by the way. This this guy reminds me of, of this other friend because he has a child and he's you know, bringing up in a house full of games. Yeah. And what's interesting about this friend is that he had two boys and his wife's like, hey, let's have a third kid because I'd really love to have a girl. And they just found out... It's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> yeah. Nice try. Nice try, woman. Yeah. I can't believe she, snook- she snookered um, the, right? guy, the guy into it, right? You know, what's weird about this is we, uh, my wife and I don't see this couple very often. They live relatively far away and they have kids. You stop seeing people once they have kids. So they had one kid. Let's have another so we can have a girl. Like, really? Oh, it happens all the time. But anyway, at some point, they obviously only had one child prior to, to having the second. And they invited us over. We hung out. And he said, hey, you, I just had a second child. And he was conceived the day you came over. So no more coming over. <laughs> and uh, this third child was conceived like the day after we came over the very next time, which was like a year and a half after originally that, that other time. So you have some sort of magical seed, yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently my visiting produces yeah. extra children in this household. <laughs> Boys, specifically. So anyway, my friend Eric writes us, and he, he would like us to talk about, um, I don't know, how, how do you introduce video games in the highly sophisticated state that they are these days to a three-and-a-half-year-old kid, right? And his lament is that while he was growing up, you know, it was just it was a gradual introduction, right? Very gradual over the years. We're talking gradual in terms of complexity. Right. We had Pong. We had the Atari games. One button. We had and then the Nintendo. Okay, two buttons and start and select. Ironically, in the beginning, there was either Atari with one button or ColecoVision with thirty-eight buttons. (laughs) Touche. Right, but no doubt. In terms of interface interface complexity, the, the the video games have been very simple in the late 70s and then up to today, and they're just getting more and more complicated things. Right? Yes. So, I don't know. My, my reaction initially is that, hey, you know what? Uh, we have the 12-button games where you have to, you know, do, like, strange calisthenics and reach arounds with your hand in order to actually access all the buttons you want to at every point in time. But not every game is complex, even today. And... There's, there's got to be a bunch of games 
that they're not all coming to me right away, but there's got to be a bunch of them that are very, very, very simple interface-wise, and I think that, like, physical interface-wise, and I think that these these games are the ones that should be good for the kids. Let me throw out to to you, Ara, and Eric, and, and anyone else listening, a very simple marketing slogan these days. You are the controller, my friend. No buttons, no joysticks, you know no problems. You, I'm so glad you brought this up, right? Because, game over, man. Because game over, right? Because, you know, if you put a four- or five-year-old in front... I'm actually curious... Okay, Eric, if you're listening, I'm actually curious... Um, I think you have a duty now to purchase a Connect <laughs> and put your boy duty. in front of it and see what happens. Um, Since I can't pick up playing the Connect at all, right, right. I'm horrible at it. Maybe the kid will do better. Well, I think he won't do better. But, I mean, I, I suppose it depends on the game. Now, here's Not when the, he's three and a half years old. I mean, once he gets a little bit of understanding. Right. right. But here, here's, the, here's the irony of, of this related to Connect, right? Is that... The thing is, is that the thing that is bad and unintuitive about a controllerless device as an input method where your body is the controller is that it is not, it doesn't, it is not intuitively clear and it doesn't make sense what gesture or what you would do to cause an input. On the other hand, when you have a controller, it is so natural and so sensible that there is you're you're looking at a physical device that has a panel of buttons, and pressing one of them, you would expect something to happen when you press one of them. There is a clarity there of interface that actually does not exist with things like the Connect, and so in that sense, it is actually less of an intuitive interface, the Connect, and less of a sensical and less accessible. Because when you've got a controller, I mean, like, okay, like, lots of buttons is very, very intimidating. But, you know, a directional control and one button is exceedingly simple. And I would even argue that that is generally more intuitive for naive users and players than, a, a you know, the Kinect interface. Yeah, so, uh, I see what you're saying there. I want to get back to the original question he had and basically say that I agree with, with what you said there, that... Not all games are complex, but it's it's not as vague as that. Like, there are very clearly games that are either for children, right, or not necessarily for kids, but just that don't take advantage of the the 12 or so buttons on the controller. Sure. Like, very simply, I could just say, play New Super Mario Bros. Wii. Yeah. You, right? you, know what I, you know what I would suggest? Um, there is a game made for cats on the iPad. Okay? Okay. Designed for cats. And I think it'll work with kids, too. And cats can enjoy it. it Little could. kids. All it is is there's just a target on the screen, like a fish, swimming around. And if you paw it at, excuse me, touch it, right, then it will, like, you'll see some effect, and then it'll split into two of them, right? And then there's a limit to that, obviously, right? But uh, what I'm getting at is that I think the kinds of games that are the most Interesting and accessible for kids, other, besides the fact that you want to have the interface complexity as simple as possible, are ones that where you get the most amount of immediate output for very minimal input. That's, that's scary, because you could take that to extremes. No, 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 we're not going to go crazy, right? But the idea is that, you know, a kid who doesn't have any 
baggage of games or interfaces or anything, doesn't know any of these things, right? And so the things that will make the most sense to him, that will allow him to make the connection that if I press this button, this happens, is something that when that button is pressed, there's a very immediate and very kind of extravagant and obvious output. And then that satisfying, just intrinsically satisfying to feel. It's like, oh, I'm pressing this button and this happens. For very, very, very small kids, I think that that is the first level of interaction. You just press this and you watch something cool happen. Yeah. I think, uh, well, there's something else. I'll, I'll mention when we get back. Go on a break. back you're listening to chatterbox video game radio and to our newest commercial for the university of advancing technology at uat.edu see how i did that just live yes that's wonderful yeah so what i wanted to say about uh training the kids to to play games you also want to not just give like you want to have a very direct um action reaction like you were saying like press the button see the action take place uh, right. As 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 direct as that can be is important. Like you press the button, you see the character jump or punch or whatever. Um, a driving game is, is a little bit different. You might be able to see a direct response. Yeah. See, the thing is, um, like I think like a driving game would be bad. far too subtle for somebody of that age. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like right. it's not as direct, and also it takes some more coordination. So you also want to limit the amount of coordination that's required. Indeed. Which is why I would also not introduce. If possible, reduce uh, introduction to analog controls at all at first. Uh, definitely dual analog controllers need to come later. They need to master a single analog before they can go for the second one. Um, and and that's one thing that is – it's hard. Like even when we started with, um, with a first-person shooter, right, we had a single analog stick and some other way of, of – changing the the viewpoint right so uh you remember turok the dinosaur hunter for nintendo 64 sure okay so for that you would use four digital buttons to change where he looked right well you would choose either you're going to use the stick to look or the stick to walk one or the other right but um if you wanted to do the full types of strafing and all that that's available you would use digital buttons to look so we got used to a first person shooter with with uh, systems like that and then transitioned into the dual stick which we have now right um whereas you're never going to get a system like that because that was that was actually poor implementation something that just had to be done because that's what existed in terms of the the hardware controller right at the so time. these days if you're like hey you're gonna play a first person shooter here dual analog stick only option right unless you're on pc right but um that's that's your option. You have to figure out, you have to get used to using two of them. The beauty here is that although you and I might have a hard time picking up a new new concept or new system, kids, you know, no problem. They'll pick it up. First of all, they have the time to learn. Second, they're little sponges. So, well, they no are problem. sponges. That is true. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I bet you could hand uh, an eight-year-old dual stick, analog, whatever, uh, first-person shooter, and he would have the the controls down relatively quickly. So it's it's probably not even not even a problem. I'm thinking about when I try to introduce adults to these things who've never played them and they just don't get it and they give up so fast. Right. Um, well, that, that's it, the like other thing. It's an impossible wall. Actually, that the irony of that, right, is that uh, adults who are attempting to learn how to play video games who don't have the the baggage of experience of how they should play and work 
are, I think, actually much, much less resilient under fail conditions than kids are. Yeah, kids will try stuff forever. That's right. Because they want to prove to the adults that they can do it. Well, I don't know. No, I don't think that that – I mean, I never thought about that. But I remember when I was a kid, I mean, this is like NES days, okay? We're talking about games like Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. And and, and maybe later on, like Battletoads and stuff. But these games are just so unrelentingly bone-crushing. And you make one little mistake and you start over completely. And I don't know – how I ever gathered the patience to actually, like, get to the fifth level of Ghosts and Goblins when I was a kid. Because this is the kind of thing where when I got there, I paused the game and ran upstairs and just just so I could just let the... just relish the moment that I've got to stage five because I knew that my gameplay in that level would only last for about ten seconds. Dude, that's the way I've always felt with Castlevania. So I had, and I know I've told this. Story Castlevania is exactly the same sort of thing. The first Castlevania. Yeah. Yeah, and I and that that man, that's I mean that's a rough game. I played that so many times. There was a specific friend who lived right down the road, and I'd stay over his house all the time, and we would just play that game until wee hours of the morning. Yeah, and here's the thing: like kids, for some reason, like when we were kids, like they don't mind redoing the same thing over and over and over in the face of of, of ostensible failure. Yeah. I do now, but when I was a kid, yeah. we played well, that every, every time I'd stay over there. I'm, I'm the same way. Yep. We'll break out Castlevania, we'll get maybe to the Grim Reaper, and die, but we'll probably not even make it to him. I was like this El Shaddai demo that I played, right? I mean, okay, like the combat I was not interested in, right? But one of the things that turned me off almost right away is like, I'm walking forward, okay, the camera's behind my back, It's and it's like, oh, look, what is this? This kind of looks like a hole, but I can't tell. I'll just walk forward. Oh, I fell into the hole. Okay, and then it puts me back right before the hole. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to jump over it. And then, like, the second time I didn't make it, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. There's no reason for me to play this ever again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we have very different tastes now that we're old. Um, Or limitations, I guess, on our our willingness to try things. Yeah, I would say that your, your willingness to endure i guess in the in the face of how the game is telling you that you're doing is a lot less we're a lot less resilient as we've turned into cynics well i don't think that we've turned into cynics i think that what's happened is that we we have a much stronger set of expectations now and when we see things that don't jibe with our expectations we're a lot less tolerant of them as kids you don't have these expectations this is what i call baggage right you don't have that baggage you don't get frustrated as a kid playing a video game as much because you don't have this expectation that this shouldn't be so hard for me, right? You don't know. How could it be that hard? He put you right back in front of the pit that you fell in. There you go. Back uh, in the day, even, you would have been set back five minutes, even ten minutes. More, even more ironies. You know, you don't, like, frustration is something that's learned. Frustration happens when you're expecting a different outcome other than the one you're getting, and you're, you don't know why it's happening, or you're just, it's, you know, it's something that yet you can't control in the way that you think you should. It's all about expectations. If you don't have expectations, you don't get frustrated. Yeah. Well, too too bad we're old and so and destroyed yes. at this yeah. point. Well, yeah, that's what happens. We're we're bad goods, man. So we got I don't know we got some some time left. Yeah, I, we got. What do you have? You got anything on your plate? I have rich topics, things that. I have a few little things. We can go for some little things. Did I? I can't remember if I talked to you about bite-sized course at the end of the meal. Is, 
Do you you want to go? Or do you want you want to? I can tell. Yeah. It's all like right. it's like a, it's like the eighty course meal, and they're all little tiny courses. Did I ever tell you about that? Place? You did. That's yeah. Yeah. So um, all right. So here's a couple of quick things, right? Um, this there was an article on Joystick um, about a, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, right? And they were announcing that Codemasters, right? So some of their games, actually one of their games, Grid, it's like it's like three years old, 2008. Okay. Um, like, oh, uh, hey guys, we're taking down the servers for this three-year-old game. Yeah. Okay. And joy, I'm gonna call them out on this one. Joystick has the audacity to, well, I, you know what? I don't know. They're probably being sarcastic. You think so? I think, yeah. Are I'm you really, just realizing now? I'm just realizing now that they're probably being sarcastic. But people always complain when these things go down. And also, Joystick being sarcastic on the internet does not go over well. Thank you. <laughs> not for this guy. And <laughs> and people are actually complaining. Maybe only Joystick sarcastically. Okay, I get it. But people actually complain when a game shuts down their online service. And my question to you and to everybody else is, what is an acceptable time period that a game service online play will shut down? Um, Codemasters decided it was three years. Well, they're at Grid 3 now, right? They're, no, they're actually, they haven't I'm made the sequel Dirt. to Grid. Dirt 3. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I they was thinking Dirt. They haven't actually made the sequel to Grid, but uh, Grid is one of the long series of games, as is Dirt is kind of in the same vein, but not really. But anyway. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I think of it this way. If they were actually making sequels to that game, they would probably come out every year. So after three years, you'd be on at least the third version of that game, and at that point, nobody's playing the first. Well, here's one the anymore. thing: like Dirt Two came out since then, and Dirt Three came out since then. Exactly. So, nobody's playing Grid anymore. Right. If the game were online only, it would be a bigger deal, and that's why it was a big deal when they turned off Steel Battalion Two, like just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, heard about that. Yeah. So. And I was thinking, by the way, I should get my Steel Battalion controller. I, I, I actually, I want to ask, though, specifically, all the listeners, like, what do you think is an acceptable amount of time you for an online an service? On yeah, I want to, I'm, I'm really curious. What's an acceptable amount of time for an online service to be available since a game comes out? Assuming what, one year? Assuming Six months? I'm asking, years? though, let's clarify. This yeah. is for a game that is not online only. This is for a game that has an online component. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, it... If it's a game that has sequels, I would say as soon as the second sequel from right. the, the second in, in the so if if we're talking about game one, right. when the third one comes out, yeah. you turn off the first one. Well, that's pretty generous. I would even I wouldn't I will go out on a limb. I will I don't even have an expectation for an online component of a game to be continuously serviced after even a year after the game's out. You remember you were questioning when uh, when Demon Souls came out. You were like you were reading the terms, and it said right. we might not have this online stuff six months after right. release. Right, they were saying six months. Yeah, they yeah. actually left it on for much longer than that. They were essentially though guaranteeing at least six months. Yeah, um, it's nice to actually have that disclaimer straight out. That's the first time we've ever seen it. Yeah, well, it, it may have been buried in Eula's previously. Who knows? But it was nice yeah. that that was actually like kind of like not so uh, uh, hidden. Let's say. Because then you know up front. All right. All right. I got six months on this thing. But I say once once two sequels down the road have come out, yeah. there's zero expectation for them to be running the game. And I would say even partway through the life of the second one. Yeah. And I mean, what's the life of a game? A few months? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say a year. I think a year is generous. 
You playing you the think? same game that you've played for a whole year? Uh, I can buy that. Yeah, that's what I think. But almost, like, it, it certainly depends what the service is. Yeah. I mean, you, you bought it for 60 bucks. It's going to get more than a year of play? Yeah. I think you got your money's worth by then. All right. I don't think that's unreasonable. Cool. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week, as we always are. Have a good uh, good week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.